Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Bethel Radio Hour, where Bible study and radio collide. Tonight in our segments, we will be delving into Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10, listing our personal major Bible stories, and continuing our talks about racial healing. I am Molly Kingston, your producer and fourth chair panelist. Joining me in first chair is Pastor Ben Kingston. Dad, I'm curious, which word would you use if you could only use one word for the rest of your life? Excellent. Beautiful. Next up in second chair is Dr. Gavin Hooks. Which word would you use if you could only use one for the rest of your life? Awesome. <laughs> Finally, hold on. I lost we my We sound like butt. a Donald Trump. <laughs> right. Uh, is the most perfect. <laughs> oh, did awesome. I? Wait, can I change mine to chocolate? <laughs> oh, okay. Food. Is that seriously your one word? Okay. No, no, no. So we got excellent, right, and awesome. Finally, our third chair panelist is Ryan Mayberry. So what's your answer, Ryan? I'm going to say mm. Because mm. you mm. can say it in so many different ways you can communicate mm. it. Yes, I like mm. it. I mm. think. That's <laughs> caveman stuff there. Okay. <laughs> 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 okay. What's your one word? I'm going to get to it in oh, just sorry. a second. Uh -oh. If you are sitting in our live audience tonight, please text the number, which is not on the screen. 636-629-2526. During the show, there's the, the one on the screen is going to be different. Oh. Um, to provide any personal input, you we, we may be the ones with the microphones, our new fancy dandy microphones, but in your opinions, advice, and input are just as important to BRH. If you listen later online, please interact by liking, commenting, and sharing. Now, I had a little bit of a disadvantage concerning the introduction question because I pick out the question, so I had more time to think about my one word. Admittedly, my first word was no, <laughs> because I was a little bit in a negative mood when I was thinking. Uh, but then I thought asinine, because that's my favorite word, and it's also asinine to think of one single word with which to communicate <laughs> thoroughly with. But then I landed on grace, and settling on grace was undoubtedly influenced by the verses we are going to cover tonight in Ephesians chapter 1. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read those to get us into our first segment. So I'm reading from ESV, and this is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, tras, trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us, in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to take each one of those, uh, basically we're going to going to go by the commas. So when there's a comma, we're going to look at that phrase and go from there. Uh, it's taken us two weeks to get to this point because the first week was our introduction and so we had uh, didn't have a lot of time to get into the nitty gritty, if you will. And then last week we dealt with Acts 19, which is the history. So if you haven't looked at Acts 19 recently, that's going to tell you uh, it's the context. Uh, and so, you know, you guys have, have gotten into stuff that you think, okay, wait a minute, I, I don't really know the history of how we got here. And so uh, we wanted you to know uh, all of the stuff that the Ephesians church had went through, uh, but now we are to Ephesians chapter 1, 1 through 10. We may not get through to 10 tonight because we these are 20-minute segments. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, what you guys got on that? He was predestined to be an apostle. <laughs> I'm going to slap you. All right. Yeah, we're going to get into that. Jose, we're we into were that. having discussions before we yeah. started. Um, yeah, Jamie got us all tuned up. This was this was actually something I highlighted um, just because when I was listening to John MacArthur, one of his podcasts or sermons on this, he brought out that people questioned, continued to question um, Paul's position as an apostle because he wasn't a part of the original 12 um, and so Paul here was declaring, and he would always introduce himself um, 
as an apostle of Jesus Christ. And then also adding by the will of God, he's also then bringing God into it. So he's saying he's that he's an apostle God. of Jesus Christ <laughs> and then saying, you know, I also have the will of God behind me. So right. I have That's one the born whole out of due season. I think as a phrase yeah. he uses also one is born out of. So, so yes. essentially he's saying I have authority. I have the authority to tell you what I'm fixing to tell you. And, yeah. and that's important. Yeah. You know, every pastor should preach with that type of authority. Now, and I'm going without a net here, so we could Google this later and, and correct whatever we need to. But there were certain things the apostle had to have to, to be able to do what he was supposed to do. And the first one was an apostle had to have eye, he had to have seen with his own eyes Jesus. And, of course, he did that at Damascus. It's almost the last thing he saw. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and then he had to have a call, a direct call. All of those others in you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus said, follow me. And so now you know, Paul could say, yes, I, I had that too. There may be one or two others, I can't remember, but that was the argument because you know, they drew straws at, in the upper room before the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. Was it Marcus? Marcus got drawn. He got the shorts. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> I got, I'm using Ryan's word. Mm. Uh, I love that, Ryan. That, that, that was good off the cuff. So, uh, we're going to tie a little bow to this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, he's saying, I've got authority to tell you what I'm doing. All right, the next comma is to the saints which are at Ephesus. Anything you guys want to bring out about that? Just, again, that believers, all believers are considered saints. Already, they don't have to die to become saints. They're saints Already, uh, Adrian Rogers put it this way, which person, and y'all heard me say this as folks that attend the church, but what person is more likely to get dirty? The person in a white tuxedo or the person in a bib overall? Well, the person in bib overalls is more likely to get dirty. He, he's prepared for it. If you will, he's dressed to get dirty. Well, God doesn't, to it. That's right. <laughs> God don't, doesn't want us to see ourselves like that. He wants us to see ourselves, and we're going to get to that in a moment in our position of Christ. So we are saints. Now, which are at Ephesus. I think that that's extremely important. He's speaking to the church here. He's speaking to the church at Ephesus. What is a church? A local visible body of called out believers. Someone else? I had mentioned before that some people believe that the place where Ephesians, where we read Ephesians was left blank. And so they would pass this from church to church and it might have started at Ephesians. But then it, they would pass it on to another church in Asia that Paul had been to, and they, it would it would be the same message for them. Right. And it follows it into the next comma. Right. And to the next, the next comma, or in this case, colon, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So it is sent to that specific local church, but yet to all faithful believers, which are most likely a part of a local body as well. Uh, any Anything to be added to that? Then we get to the... the he's setting the bar there. Yeah, he's setting the bar. That's exactly right. This is for believers, uh, and specifically for Ephesians, but everybody will be able to use this, and we're going to get that here in just a moment. Grace be to you. You know, and you, you said that would be your word, uh, grace. Grace be to you. Now, Dawn is constantly texting me when she's teaching and will say, what's that definition of grace you always use? So, bless her heart, her memory's not much better than mine. Um, grace is when you get something that you do not deserve. Mercy is when you do not get something that you do deserve. So for the Christian, mercy is not getting hell. Grace is getting heaven. Mm-hmm. And so he's, he's concentrating here on you've been given something. And, and again, these guys have gone through all sorts of persecution in the last two to five years. Uh, they have been, their, their way to make money has been threatened the whole nine yards. So I can imagine that as they gather, because I'm told that, that as, they, as these letters would come in, the word would go out. We got a letter from Paul. We got a letter from Paul. So everybody would give. It was an event, right. And so they're listening and like with, with bated breath, and they hear him say, grace be to you. You can almost feel that collective sigh, you right. know, that p- positive sigh. And then he says, and peace. Somebody want to comment on grace and peace? So they've been given something that they don't deserve. They, they, they you know, we're talking about former Diana worshipers. Mm-hmm. We're talking about men that would go to prostitutes 
and do the obvious as a offering to Princess Diana. Wow, what kind of wickedness, you know, has to be there? Uh, and, and just fleshly speaking, what man wouldn't sign up for that kind of religion type thing? Right. And, and so you've got the herdedness uh, on the wives' side. Why would he do that? Uh, or even beyond that, the uh, the word would be just so inundated with sin that she may think it's okay and, and it's the right thing to do. Uh, but yet still dealing with the humanity that my husband's got to be with another woman to worship this God. Mm -hmm. And so now they've been set free of that grace. Right. They, they've been set free. You know, and peace came with it. And peace came with it. That's exactly right. Uh, because dead gummit, the, the devil gets you going, you know, coming and going. Because he, he's lying to you, telling you this is okay. But then after you do it, he hits you with guilt. You know, I can't believe you'd do that to your wife, you know, or whatever. Uh, and so, uh, grace be to you and peace. Of course, the next comma, from God our Father. And so Paul is trying to make sure that they know where this is coming from. Comments? It's drawing the family together. And the, the letter arrived with a wish of grace and peace from our Father. Mm -hmm. And from the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, the, the provider. J Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the one that provided Procured is another word that I like. Uh, he made it possible. He purchased it and the such. So now we get in, we're, we're just going to go deeper, deeper, and deeper. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever watched much of uh, Mark Lowry, but Mark Lowry loves to torture Bill Gaither. And uh, Bill... Gaither and the Gaither group were getting ready to go do a performance, so they were praying. Well, in the green room, there was a uh, TV going, and Bill had just done a commercial for, like, Walmart or something, and that commercial came on while they were praying, and Bill got distracted because he wanted to see himself on TV. Mark's telling the story, of course, and he got so flustered that he said, God bless yourself, you know, <laughs> and, and, and that's what and Mark was saying. Uh, Bill Gaither just told God to bless himself. Well, isn't that what Paul's doing here? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, I, don't you just think it's that's scriptural? A, yeah. Don't you just think that's a thank you? You know, th thank you, Lord. Amen. You, you, you're, you're a blessed God because you bless us. So then he says, who hath blessed us with all He's spiritual blessings. details on that. That's right. He's fixing to put details on it. Who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. We need to camp here for a moment. Right. So this is the bank this that John bank. MacArthur talks about. And, and we've got a blank check. And we got a blank check. And it's non-diminishing. That's the word Ooh. I couldn't remember the last time we talked about it. It's non-diminishing. So you can continually take it out. And it is always full. You never run dry. And it you can have anything. You know, that, anything. Any spiritual blessing. I think it was J. Vernon McGee that said, why do we always ask God, Lord, I, I need more faith. No, you need to use the faith that you've been yeah. given. <laughs> well, and he says a faith like a mustard seed, right. which isn't much at all. Right. And it can move mountains. Move, move mountains. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it, on that bank side of it, S.M. Lockridge said, uh, we all have a blank check from heaven, but many of us fail to cash it at the window of prayer. Mm. You know, uh, And so we, when you and I, as we go through our day and we think, if I just had more courage, if I just had more boldness, and God is saying, no, 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 you, you got it. You just got to use it. Uh, what did he say to Joshua? Everywhere you put your foot is yours, but you got to go claim it. You got to go put your feet there. Oh, and that's a random side fact is that they only claimed three, 30% of what God promised them. Wow. That's interesting. Like he had promised them somewhere that's along. That's probably average like for an average Christian. 30%? <laughs> I can't 30%. remember the statistic. It's amazing if I could remember it, but it was a lot. Like they were promised so much more land, but because they didn't yeah. want to continue fighting or they were scared to fight or what, for whatever reason, they decided to stay they, in their 30%. Yeah. Charles Swindoll has a message, $3 of God. That's all, if you're not careful, that's all most Christians want. Yeah. Just want $3. 
You know, just enough to get me to heaven. Right, exactly. <laughs> I was just like, it's heaven, you know, great, you know, peace. And it'll be relatively fun. peace. But money. now we know that none of you in the crowd are like that. It's just somebody you know. Okay. Um, the, the next comma here, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Now, we're going to address the elephant in the room when it comes to this passage, but we're going to address it and then we're going to move on because, uh, and Benjamin was joking uh, last week because Emma set in for him and um, he said, well, I'm going to be here when you guys talk about this because he wanted to sharpen the axe, if you will, uh, of Calvinism. We've talked about Calvinism here uh, at Bethel, but not from a standpoint of that we embrace it or anything of that nature. Uh, and I'm not even going to say it's something that you need to stay away from as much as you need to understand what it is and what it is not. And so uh, what it is, is it's an opinion. It's a biblical opinion that salvation is all God's idea, and I think that's true. But salvation is all of God's choice. I don't believe that the Bible upholds that. Uh, the best explanation, I believe, of uh, quote-unquote both sides of salvation is, is that as you and I enter to the gates of heaven, we're going to see on our side before we enter, whosoever will may come. When we walk through the gates and turn around and see what's on quote-unquote God's side, it's going to say, I chose you before the foundations of the world. And so uh, if you want more uh, information on that, I'll be glad to talk to you. We're not going to, unless we feel like we need to, we're not going to exhaust that subject right now. Can I, I just, just address, address a different perspective? I've Absolutely. made a lot of truck with the idea that uh, God created us as beings who could choose him or reject him. That's what makes love meaningful when you choose him. Here's God's voice on his heart. He's, I chose you. So, so he had the option to not love us. Mm -hmm. That's right. And, and seeing that he chose us, that tells us his heart is, is to love us, and he wants us. That had to be a pretty bright spot in the day of an Ephesian to realize that God had chosen them and to realize that you were loved by the creator of the universe, and, and he wanted you. He didn't, he didn't reject you. That's he, right. You're wanted. Right, and it brings an amazing measure of security. That's right. And, and faith, well, not faith, but it can bolster your faith in the fact that God has plans, and they are plans that he started at the very beginning, and he is continuing with them since then. He never changed his mind. Right. I, I think there's two words that Americans especially, the devil loves to torture us with. We may not even, you know, acknowledge the words on a daily basis, but these are the two words that we struggle with, and that's uncertainty and uncertainty. Insecurity. insecurity, right. And, and Ephesians chapter 1 takes care of that. Mm. It absolutely... Uh, now, on the uncertainty, of course, it's just you got to trust the Lord. I mean, we need to pray for the Floridians today. Amen. We need to pray, and I'm begging God to turn that storm uh, to the ocean. I'm begging Him to, uh, you know, turn that thing to a tropical storm. Uh, now, you know, type deal. And we, I don't know, you may or may not know what the quote-unquote other side in our nation is trying to do with this storm, but they're trying to politicize it. They're blaming DeSantis for, for not taking climate change serious enough, so yeah. that's why Ian is so Lord bad. Help. I'm telling you the truth, and they are hammering him on this. And, of course, DeSantis is just trying to you know, keep them at bay and take care of his residents, mm. and that's right. what he keeps saying. I, I don't care about all that stuff. Correct. I care about my Floridians. Let, right. Let's take care of these people, yeah. right. which is the proper approach. Uh, and so all that said, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, you cannot deny that God settled salvation for every person that's going to be saved before they were ever created. That is undeniable unarguable, if you will, in Scripture. How that happened is where the argument lies. If you go to Romans chapter 8, before you get to verse 28, it says, for whom he knew, foreknowing. foreknew, he predestined. And so I've been taught this all my life, and I believe it with all my heart. God saw who would and who wouldn't. And he paved a way that everyone who would would absolutely have the opportunity to receive him 
as Savior. And I think even to the ones who he knew wouldn't. He, he, they still get a chance. That's I, I right. I feel like that in heaven there's going to be storerooms of evidence when a per person comes up before the throne of Christ and, and pleads his case. He's, Jesus is going to say, bring out the dust. Right. This is the dust of the shoes of the, the people who went to your house That's and right. you refused the gospel. That's mm. right. And lay all that before him. That's exactly right. I, I, believe every, I believe he chose everybody. I believe he chose everybody. Now we have the choice. Okay, we have the choice of yeah. whether or not we're going to receive, uh, and and for every person that he knew, would he he's there's no you know there's no way you can't type thing. Uh, now I, I think that you're, you're getting real close there now you know to 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 a predestination that is unbiblical, uh, but I, you know it's one of those things where uh, if if you want to argue you can argue, but I, I believe that uh, God has a choice. But so does man. Uh, Tom used to famously say, God doesn't send anyone to hell. He honors their choice. And I agree with that statement completely. Anything right. else about he has chosen? I don't think so. What verse is that? Do you know? Because we, we need to move on to the next segment, so I kind of want you to bookmark oh, where okay. we are there. Uh, so well, we I'd have to look at it because I don't have that. Well, we can do that later. So verse 5. Verse 5. Awesome. So we went one through five. So five through ten, maybe just five verses every week. I'm sorry, it was four. I lied. Oh my gosh. So for our break, we're going to do safe? a would you rather time. Does anyone have a would you rather statement for us tonight? I had an almost I that I did. made me think about it, but. You had an I just got to get through my notes here. Would you rather? Uh, would you rather be in person for the Sermon on the Mount with Jesus? but not able to interact or hear or, so that's the first option, be, on the, be at the Sermon on the Mount with Jesus in person. You're hearing Jesus give the Sermon on the Mount, but you cannot interact. There's no question and answer time. Or hear your favorite preacher on the Sermon on the Mount and be able afterward to ask any question for as long as you like. Yeah, hear Jesus. Oh, yeah, first option. Yeah, in person, no, no. not nah, even close. I want to hear Adrian Rogers preach, and I want to have five <laughs> hours of his time afterwards. Uh, well, we'll because go watch Jesus and then meet up with you after yeah. you're done talking <laughs> with Adrian and compare notes. Amen. Good stuff. Anybody else have a would you rather? Wait, mine's not nearly so spiritual, so. Mine not, mine's not either, so don't feel bad. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me, but to go but ahead. I almost dropped my phone in the commode. What? And I thought, what, what would be We've made the turn. line where you draw that you would not retrieve your phone? Hmm. So I, I'm ashamed to say that I have retrieved a phone, not this one out of a public toilet. So that I would go that far. We like a Johnny on the spot public? Mm. Oh. And I heard a story about a guy who lost his in one of the ones at the, the state park. Yes. Got caught in the toilet trying to go, trying oh to go get it. Oh, no. Well, I will say this. Where's the line? In 2022, phones costing $1,000? I don't know that there is a line. <laughs> I don't you know? know. I've been in some pretty bad Johnny on the spots. There's, there's definitely a line for me. <laughs> A thousand dollar line, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah especially yes. when you can do there payments, monthly well, payments. Yeah. Well, see, I guess that's my butcher mentality. I, I've seen it about as bad <laughs> as you can get, and I put my hands in it and everything, and washed my hands and ate yeah. a burger afterwards. So I, I got a stomach of steel. I'm the one that caught my wife's puke and went and bought a DQ afterwards. <laughs> that's, that's kid stuff compared to what's in some of those things. <laughs> <bands. laughs> All right, Ron. I, I'll take your word for it, Ron. I'll t a, a construction worker, I'll take your word for it. That's kid stuff. <laughs> First liar doesn't have a chance. All right. Uh, anybody else have a would you rather? I, I took it right to the toilet, didn't I? <laughs> I got one. I, so uh, I said, would you rather have a hobby that you're proficient above anyone else in, but you don't get any notice for it, or would you rather have a hobby that your skill level is mediocre at best, but you, may, you get rich off of it? Oh, the second. <laughs> We're already in the first. Yeah, yeah we've We're already done in that, the first. We've done that several right. times. <laughs> Give me the second. Right, Randy? Second, yeah. Thumbs up. <laughs> it's time to make that's, some That's cabbage. a good one. I like that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, being rich would be nice. But I'm already mediocre at everything, so and I'm not getting well, rich. So that would be a nice So plus. you would be able to choose not to be anymore, though, because you would have <clears> something that you're really good at then. Yeah, but once you get the finances, you can become proficient at a lot of things. 
Yeah, a master of do what, what is you it? have to do. Until a jack of all trades. Master of none. Master yeah. of none is still better than a master of one. So let's say you either you can make this fidget spinners something completely pointless, but make millions mm -hmm. off of it, or you can do have you can have some kind of medical breakthrough, but a no one ever knows cure your for name cancer. for cancer. Yeah, which would you rather do? I don't know. Cure for cancer would probably cash in too. Well, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're changing <laughs> it. You're changing but, it. But yeah, you're a hypothetical. Would you well, rather? It, you wouldn't get noticed. And, and even we've if got, it was amazing. we've got a real life story. The the guy that came up with the laser. Have you heard that? Read or no. seen that documentary? The the first fellow that actually created laser, he got messed over, and and it took lawsuit. I think it went all the way to the Supreme oh. Court before he got his money. Uh, and, and but I mean he he does have notoriety now, but he almost didn't. He's the one that came up with that that sticker that says "Do not look into laser with remaining eye." <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> with remaining eye. Remaining eye. <laughs> so you got one. Yeah. Um, would you rather be rich, and but only be able to spend it on other people's needs, or would you rather be poor, and have all of your needs provided? But just your needs. Make that clarified. I think the first one for me. Mm. Rich and spend it on others. Well, because it almost sounds like it, you're either w one or the other person, you know. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the second person is the person getting the money from the rich person. So I'd rather be the rich person giving it to folks that need it. You can at least have a, a veil of benevolence, if nothing else, because either way, you don't have a choice right. in the world at that point. That's right. Predestined. Yeah. Pre <laughs> Stop. <laughs> We're not going to get too any easy. Calvinists to watch this or listen to it. All right. So we only have seven minutes for the mystery topic. Ryan, do you think that's enough time for yours if it lands on you? Yeah, I would think so. Okay, let's see. We're going to spin does, the Wheel of Fortune <laughs> to see if it's between me yet? or Ryan. And unfortunately, we were away from it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's me. Oh, that's so sad. Okay, so. Mystery topic. Mystery topic. My mystery topic I chose was the movement of fat pride. And what <laughs> you... <laughs> And when Can we guess the motivation it, behind that? that? Because I'm fat and I'm not prideful about it, and I want to know why people think you should be. Um, but its effects on health, minors, and America in general. Just general thoughts? Just general thoughts, yeah, because we don't have time to really delve into it. Yeah. Well, I mean, from a, from a scriptural standpoint, uh, you know, it, it's not healthy. Hmm. And, and I, of course, I preach Sunday that it's perplexingly paradoxical for a aerobics instructor to see a quote unquote large happy person. I, I do believe that you can find a place of peace and happiness, but you have to be aware that you're outside of the bounds in the health area and you have to be working towards health in my humble opinion, or, or you're just deceiving yourself. Yeah, you know. and it, the whole movement has gone beyond just pride, too. It's to the point of claiming that being fat is not unhealthy. Right, is healthy. Just fat is the new health. Completely anti-science. Right. Know, ha having overweight models on the front of health magazines, even to the point of that. I mean, it's a complete 180 from reality, not just, you know, denial. Of well, and I mean, why should we be shocked at that when we're doing the whole thing with the gender, you know, stuff? We're, we're denying scientific fact so I, I think the folks that are overweight that probably are not being guided by christian or biblical principles uh, why not i mean we got to justify where we're at mm. yeah if you're enthusiastically embracing your your flaw or your your fault or your error i i mean the world just cheers you on right and, and again i think everything you've said is right there you can have thin pride too i mean it's yeah th there's some people who are anorexic or um, you know they struggle with eating disorders, and they probably embrace the you know the the unhealthy thin uh, that they are. So embracing any flaw and as something that's desirable, I think, is deceiving to yourself primarily. And, and I know you're not meaning this with the word flaw, uh, but I think that it's important. For us to, to, I mean, it's sin at some point. It, it's an absolute yeah. sin to overeat to the point that you're unhealthy. Yeah, and I, I was speaking right, generally, right, right. especially Absolutely. the gender thing right. in particular. If you've got a, a, a gender issue, 
and you embrace that as as good and wholesome that you should be the other gender, that's that you're deceiving yourself right. primarily. That's right. So uh, along those lines, real quick, uh, a UK so United Kingdom family won their lawsuit. Uh, I read it today on Fox News that uh, their child was basically called uh, transphobic because at six years old, this was 2017, it's taken it that long to get through the courts, uh, he was upset when a five-year-old was brought up and told to the whole class that this was no longer a boy. Uh, you know, he, he's mm. a she, and it was his choice, yada, yada, yada. And the boy had been raised and is raised by Christian parents, being homeschooled now. Uh, but um, Imagine that. Yeah, the, the, the school and the court system went after this family, you know. Uh, persecuted them the whole nine yards, but the high court in UK that they won their case. Good, and they got twenty two thousand pounds, which is about fifteen bucks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. <No>. I'm kidding. <laughs> to all of our English friends, I'm kidding. Uh, they uh, used that money to help the people that helped them, the lawyers and such. <laughs> so anyway, awesome. So um, I agree with everything you said. I would say though that I believe. Fat pride, what in its conception, kind of started from a place of hurt, right? And you sure. can you can even say the same thing um, with transgender, sure, um, because they don't feel like they're accepted, they don't feel like they're loved, that they do have a flaw, and I think most of them feel like it's uncontrollable or um, irreversible as through their own power, especially, um, and so if they can't change it and they can't, and they're not loved, then they have to convince everyone else that it is healthy, that it is something that's beautiful, and that it's not a flaw, but something to be celebrated. Um, and so I, I sympathize, Certainly. obviously, with them, and, and I, I you know, want to speak truth, obviously, that no, that's not healthy. To live like that is not healthy. And But, you know, they, they always want to say the whole thing of, like, well, like where I struggle with is like beauty. So what is beautiful? And I guess from a scientific standpoint, I understand that someone who is fit or healthy um, and symmetrical in their lines is going to be more attractive or more beautiful. And like we as humans are wired to see that as beautiful. But then to look at someone who's not and call them ugly seems very harsh. Sure. And I think that comes like the the heart of that is how much value are you putting into looking beautiful right Right, into looking yeah on the outside and really there is no there is no value in in beauty when it comes to it as far as eternity goes right we're not judged on our beauty we're not going to be let in because we're beautiful or not beautiful or anything like that um i will say to end on a lighter note is uh, we had someone text in can i say your name uh jamie frossard said, I just want the stadium seats and airplane seats to fix my bottom. To fit. <laughs> to fit. I think you meant to say fit <laughs> my bottom. That's my request. As well as roller coasters, because that's something that I've really run into recently is I get really sad when I go to Six Flags and I'm like, I'm not going to be able to ride these much longer um, because I can't fit in them. Right. But D- Disclaimer, I'm short, fat, and bald. Right. Radio <laughs> Land. <laughs> I am pear-shaped. I think. You're pear-shaped? I'm pear-shaped. All right. Uh, Ryan's the only good-looking one. Ryan's the the only one going (laughs) to heaven on this panel, as I'm telling you. Construction work keeps him fit. (laughs) Okay, so moving on to our next I need a latte. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Give me some chocolate. Mount Rushmore of Bible stories. So um, you wanted us for child Biblehood stories? It doesn't matter. Or just Bible stories in Bible general. Bible stories in general. I, I was I, I've done my childhood okay. Bible study. Or okay. Bible study. Bible stories. So my Mount Rushmore of Sunday school Bible stories uh, is Daniel and the Lion's Den, the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace, Jericho walls coming down, and David and Goliath. Yeah. Okay. I just went with is I just thought of the first four that came to mind that I could picture as when I that I heard as a kid, and it was Noah's Ark, Moses, Joseph, and Daniel in the lion's den. Very good. And I thought it was weird too that all of these and all the ones you named too are all in the Old Testament. Correct. In the Old Testament. 
I, I had two similar, but so I had the garden, Joseph. Um, and I, so going along with the kids theme, it was again something that stuck with me as a kid and Joseph stuck with me because of the Prince of Egypt movie. Yeah. And then you had Lazarus because if you're the whole loose him and let him go, yeah. that's the phrase that always sticks with me. And then Mephibosheth, yeah. Mephibosheth, simply because when we did the Bible quizzing in camp, that story was knowing that story is what helped us win one of our years and it was like it was like literally the last question it was a tiebreaker you had to answer this question and it was something that us as a team had just done extra like we were studying extra and reading and we came across the story of Mephibosheth and we were like this is a very interesting story like what how how crazy is this and then to have it been the tiebreaker was a huge deal and don't don't answer this but in your talking there you haven't said who Mephibosheth is so don't yet don't Text it in. If you know Mephibosheth, you may or may not get something if you get it right. And then secondly, if you've got a Mount Rushmore of Sunday School stories, send it in. Gavin? Uh, so David and Goliath, you remember the claymation, David and Goliath? Yes. That was, that's where I learned that story. Yeah. They talk about what Bible stories on that show. Uh, jo- story of Joseph, of course, is my favorite. Moses' life story, uh, the Ten Commandments, was a big hit when I was a kid. And that, oh, yeah. again... Um, it was wrestling at, ch- at the chase, and then some of the claymation <laughs> that I watched pretty much when I was a kid. I was say, wrestling at the chase isn't in the Bible, I, but I, I get it now what you're saying. <laughs> and country music, uh, Lord help. And so, and Jericho was my fourth one. Though. Hmm. There you go. I just realized I was wrong. Joseph, it was actually Moses. Prince of Egypt is about Moses. Correct. There was a movie Joseph was vegetarian. Yeah, Joseph has yeah. one too. I'm, I did, I we were slaves. <laughs> <laughs> Gran- Grandpa Grape. I love that. We're going to the promise. Okay, so moving on. Um, if you still want to text in your Mount Rushmore, Rushmore stories of your childhood, go ahead and send those or, or in. Who We're Mephibosheth is. We'll, we will tell you at the end of the... Mephibosheth. Okay, so last one. This precarious moment. We covered sections four, five, and six. Which, right. for me, I love... Um, so I love... It's coming to me. Medical series, like uh, House MD. Um, I've been watching that a lot. And I felt like last week, it kind of gave us, gave us the diagnosis. Like, it told us what was wrong. And then this week, they put us under the knife. Right. Racism is a sin, was yeah. last week. A- and then this week, we're looking at the, what word do, would you use to describe slavery? And, uh, horrendous, mm. uh, vile. Yeah. Uh, how this nation, black and white slave owners. And Native Americans. Yeah. Yeah. That w- every race known to America at that time owned slaves. Mm-hmm. Blacks owned and were slaves, slaves. And were slaves. Natives owned slaves. Native Americans. White people obviously owned slaves. And now, all other countries, too. Correct. I mean, it was a world correct. Now, now, we're not trying to justify it. We're, we're trying to, to explain to you the history of it. Context. The context, that's right. And uh, without, in other words, that there's no, how would you say it? Uh, whites were by far the you know, largest group of slave owners. Okay? Yes. So, so we're not arguing that. We're just telling you, historically, all races present in America owned slaves. And the way those slaves were treated was just, again, beyond horrendous. Uh, they were beat on a regular occasion. Uh, th- they were killed for the most nominal, you know, offenses and such. Uh, the, the women, of course, were breeders, mm. you know, to produce more property. Uh, I mean, just things that you, you, you wouldn't even want to, to say or think. But, Don't but think about them. Right. And yeah. what's that? How's that saying go? You know, a train wreck. You, you can't look away from it. You know, and yeah. and, th- and we we need to see the train wreck. We need to see how uh, a group of our uh, citizens were harmed and and, and unjustly so. Uh, so that was basically chapter four. Yeah, I just remember learning um, in public school when we would go over slavery, and I mean we hit it regularly, like in each grade. But in high school, I specifically remember and thinking, man, I really hate white people. I really hate that I'm a white person. I really hate that we did this. I don't understand that why we did this. How could we do this? Um, and and you know, I, 
you don't want to think about it. Like Uncle Gavin said, you just want to push it aside and you don't want to think about it because it's inconceivable. Because now, especially especially now, I think as Christians and um, white Americans, we don't want racism a part of our a part of our culture. And like we learned in some of the readings, there was a lot of other whites who didn't want it in this time as well. But there still was, there still was a lot more than, I mean, any, any slavery is bad, but there was way more than there should have been for sure. One of the issues that he brought out here too was that the church of that day in the South was complicit. Mm -hmm. They were oh, yeah. supportive. They preached and teached that whoever was a slave was a subhuman property. You know, they, they twisted and used God's word to, and can you imagine? I mean, uh, now, you got to know, I'm from Arkansas. I, I'm a southerner. And you can still to this day find southerners that 100% disagree that the Civil War was about slavery. And, and what do they say? They say that slavery was about uh, the states', states rights. <laughs> states' rights to do what? Have slaves. Yeah. So I, I respect those people. I may or may not know some of those people. But the bottom line is, is that to say that the Civil War was not about slavery is, a, again, a complete denial right. of history and, and the such. Because what did we do when, when the North won the Civil War? We abolished slavery. It was actually right. done in, right before the war. Yeah. Before it ended. Look, don't mess up my thing with facts. <laughs> I've had people say that it was an accident. Oh, like, it started because of choice, and the abolition, uh, slavery ending was a benefit or right. a side thing that right. happened. But even if it is simply a side thing that happened, it was more than worth it to go to war for that, for that cause. I do... When I was reading, because um, you talked about how the church was complicit, I just want to read this little excerpt here. Is, is at a state level, Texas, like all southern, other southern states, announced it was joining the Confederacy because the United States did not believe. And so this is um, this is a quote by U.S. Senator Robert Tomes of Georgia. No, sorry, someone from Texas. I'm trying to find where it says his name. My bad. But uh, they said that the servitude of the African race as existing in these southern states is mutually beneficial to both bond and free and is abundantly authorized and justified by the experience of mankind and the revealed will of the almighty creator as recognized by all Christian nations. So again, they said that this slavery that was practiced in America specifically was a reveal, revealed will of the almighty creator and recognized by all Christian nations. Right. Which obviously is patently false. Uh, God does not condone slavery. Was there slavery in the Bible times? Absolutely. Does God deal with those slaves and how they should work in that situation? Absolutely. But everywhere Christianity has flourished, slavery has been done away with. Uh, and, and so, no, God does not... Uh, intend, expect, or want you to have any of your human brothers or sisters in slavery. Now, you also got to wonder or know uh, and understand that in the Bible times, slavery didn't mean then what it does mean now. There were certainly elements of it. But as a general rule, if you couldn't pay your debts, you were allowed to pay your debts off by being a slave. Once you paid those debts, you got your freedom. Well, that wasn't how... In, in, in Israel's mm -hmm. history? I'm sorry, I, yeah. I didn't hear that part. Well, and I'm sorry. No, I wasn't saying in, in Israel's history, even though I think that was a part of it. I'm talking about in the history of the Bible times. Gotcha. Nations would allow people to pay off their debts through slavery uh, and the such. But once they got those debts paid off, they were no longer a slave. I'm, I'm going to risk hitting one of the into the weeds here, but can you... Can you put alongside this our discussion about predestination, that God predestined people to be slaves? That, that's just, it, it's offensive and it really is um, vulgar yeah. uh, to, to think that God would predestine someone to be subject. And in every instance the Bible refers to oppression, it's almost directly associated with demonic or satanic uh, involvement. It's got a connection directly to that. Uh, so, and every... Every reference to true freedom is in light of a relationship with Jesus Christ or relationship with God when it comes to the nation of Israel. Mm -hmm. um, 
there, there's a real contrast here. Oppression and slavery is always associated with darkness and the devil's side, and freedom and light is always associated with God and his people. And if we believe that slavery is evil and you say that we're predestined into slavery, then you're transferring the evil from man to God, and you're saying God is evil, which just implodes the whole Bible. Which we know yeah. to be yeah. false. Yeah. You're getting, right. getting close to blasphemy. And your email not. address is given. <laughs> it's not <laughs> just, right there. Just kidding. They'll, they'll know. They, they're predestined. They'll, they'll know. know. They'll Amen. know what my email uh, address is. So, and, and we're, we're getting close uh, to time. So, uh, the last section that we read, chapter 6, uh, no bitterness allowed. The authors had the audacity to basically say, yes, slavery was wrong. America was wrong. The church was wrong. But it's also wrong to continue to hold people guilty of something that has been corrected. This entire nation went to war with itself to correct this sin. I'm sure that you can go and find people on record as asking God to forgive us for this sin of slavery. And we've done it since 1980. That was one of the biggest things of promise keepers back in the day is that the white brothers were asked to turn to the black brothers at that Coliseum and ask them to forgive them. I was a part of that. Uh, and, and so, you know, no bitterness allowed. Now, what I like about that section is he opened it up with that the, a black preacher who had experienced slavery was one of the biggest pushers of this whole ideology that, hey, Yes, it was wrong, but God has forgiven them. We've got to forgive them and let it go. And yeah. I think that's really what was pushing us towards towards the beginning. You were making sure people didn't think we were trying to justify slavery, but Correct. I think it was more towards this idea because there's such a push nowadays back into uh, racism that we, you know, there's so many preconceived things that you hear before this conversation, and we're not speaking into a vacuum. And uh, there's a lot of cultural context behind it, you know, with bitterness and like Ibram X. Kendi, for example, him coming out. He's the big critical race theory ideologue, basically. And one of his quotes is that, you know, to fight racism, you need more racism in the opposite direction to counteract that. So we need to make sure wow. we don't fall into that trap. Yeah, I did kind of feel like his words, like I said, this is a black preacher speaking to um, the blacks in the 18, like late 1700s, early 1800s, to not hold on to bitterness. And I think this was even before we were asking for forgiveness. But in a way, uh, no, not in a way, in this book, it showed us that from the inception of slavery in America, there was anti-slavery movement. Right. From the very beginning, there were opposing forces. So we were never just an all-slave nation. Correct. We, there was also a huge movement against slavery. Um, one of the statistics, statistics they say is that only 8% of Americans own slaves, and that's including um, slave owners that were white, black, Native Americans, and other races. So we're not just talking about whites owning blacks, we're talking about anyone owning anyone as slaves. There was only 8% of the population as slave owners, and that I, that's something I didn't know, and that's something they don't talk about because they want us to believe that it was an all-nation thing, a systematic thing um, written into our Constitution and things like that. Um, Let's read that quote. Let no rancor or ill will lodge in your breast for any bad treatment you may have received from any. If you do, you transgress against God, who will not hold you guiltless, he would not suffer it even in his beloved people Israel, and you think he will allow it unto us? Many of the white people have been instruments in the hands of God for our good, and I am sorry to say that too many think more of the evil than of the good they have received. And that was, um, I'm trying to think here. Uh, it was Allen, Richard Allen. Richard Allen, famous black leader from America founding, born into slavery in Maryland, he later purchased his freedom and became a minister. In Philadelphia, he worked hand-in-hand -hand with founding Father Benjamin Rush, a signer of the Declaration of Independence on numerous endeavors, including the founding of the first black denomination, the AME, African Methodist Episcopal. Allen also assisted fugitive slaves and operated one of the stations on the famous Underground Railroad. 
and the whites that were involved with that, uh, the um, Quakers in, in particular, were very involved with that. And, and all, I mean, uh, obviously their their races are pr predominantly white. And the other thing, it gets I, I I've read so far ahead, I can't remember what's in the, this chapter versus well, the other one. It. Yeah, but, but this is for my own uh, lexicon here. A half a million Americans died in the Civil War for this. Mm -hmm. right. how, how many more? How many more What's do we gonna need? take? Right. Uh, this is the answer here, forgiveness and healing. That, that's the answer. Right. Well, so one of the big things I think you're probably trying to pull is they always talk about how our for founding fathers, most of our founding fathers were slave owners. Um, it points out here that three of our four founders freed their slaves, spoke against slavery, or led or founded anti-slavery societies. So we are, we're getting close to time here, so I've got to tell you a joke about Quakers. Uh, um, so Quakers are known as a peaceful religion. They're not allowed to bad. cuss. They're not allowed to strike anyone, such of that nature. So a thief breaks into a Quaker's house and at the top of the stairs, the owner, the man, the father of the house comes with a gun. And he says, sir, thou knowest that I can't shoot thee, because they, sp so they spake in King James, but I'm about to shoot where thou standest. <laughs> so he gave him fair warning. <laughs> and then my, my favorite one is the cow. When he went to milk the cow, the cow kicked the bucket. And he said in anger, cow, thou knowest I can't curse thee. And he sets the pail back up and tries to milk it. She kicks it again. Cow, thou knowest I can't strike thee. And it, she kicks it the third time. And he says, cow, thou knowest I can't kill thee, but I can sell you to the Baptist that can do all three. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's a good job. I don't know how it correlated with our conversation. Oh, it doesn't at all. <laughs> at all. Other than he said um, Quaker. I mentioned the word Quaker. That's it. Uh, but that's yes, it. I think like Uncle Gavin said, they gave us the antidote here is that you can't hold on to bitterness <laughs> and that you can't ignore the good because you're looking or you're focusing so much on the bad. You will help us greatly as you, uh, it, when this comes out on Friday, if you will like it, share it uh, in the such. Yes, I'm posting it onto the Bethel um, page on Facebook and then hopefully we will also be posting things on Monday or Tuesday um, maybe even with a survey question, so be on the lookout for those. And the reason we've went to these types of microphones, if you're in the crowd and see it, is to hopefully help our... Look cooler. Well, look cooler, <laughs> sure. We need all the help we it's can get on that. It's going to take more than a microphone from uh, you. Right, yeah, all of us except Ryan. Um, <laughs> he's the poster child for the program. But uh, we need, uh, we, we wanted to try to do better on the sound. So mm -hmm. uh, if you have noticed a difference, uh, wonderful, uh, and, and let us know type thing. All right, see you next week. Thanks, everybody.